Aren't you glad to be here this morning? I love my church. Let's give our God a hand. What a great God we serve. God's been so good to us, and uh, we're just thanking God for our church. And I want to encourage you as we're talking about loving our church. You know, it's easy when you say the word, I love something, to think about what you're getting out of it. And hopefully when you, when you are part of a church like this, you are, God is giving you benefits of being here, that's for sure. But I want you to also learn to love your church through good and bad, through the up and the down. And so this is our ecclesia. Jesus said, love, he told, he instructed husbands to love their church as he, uh, to love their husbands as, well, <laughs> start that over. He instructed the men to love their wives the husbands to love their wives as he loved the church. That is unconditional. That's without end, uh, without limits. It's just, it's so beautiful. So I want to encourage you as we wear these shirts. I love my, I love my church. I'm hearing great things. People out in the community, uh, you're wearing them out there. Uh, please take, take some more today. We'll have them today and we'll have them next week and, uh, start wearing them. People were asking, hey, you know, you like your church, really? You know, most people say, I'm bored with church, all right? And so our people are out there, and they're telling people about the services, and God is using it. It's a great thing. But I want to encourage you, let's love our church through the good, through the bad, through the up, through the down, because it's about what we give. It's about uh, agape love was this, this, this unconditional love, and that's how Christ loved us. And let's learn to love the body like that. Let's learn to love each other, because there'll be times that it's going to be up for each other, times will that'll be down. So we, we've been looking through, through, the, uh, through a couple key areas in our life here, uh, of our church life, I should say. We've been looking and we've you know, we looked and said that Jesus is here. I love my church because Jesus is here. Uh, what's, what's important to God is important to us. You're important to God, so you matter here at, at Crossroads. Last week, we uh, took it a step further and we kept looking at uh, deeper and deeper issues on that. But today, I want to look at this here, is that we are passionate about great news. Here at Crossroads, we are passionate about the great news. That's why God has placed us here. Uh, he's put us here because uh, to, to give this great message to our community. And so, you know, we live in a world where bad news is in vogue. Have you noticed that? If you go in, uh, and you look up CNN or Fox or MSNBC, you take the news of your persuasion, right? And you will find it's all bad. None of them are ever doing anything good. I turn on one news channel, and I hear them just talking about the other news channel. It's kind of wild how this is working, right? And so it's all about bad news. Rarely do you have somebody that gets up and says, hey, good news happened today, you know? Uh, great things are happening in Finleyville. It, it, that's kind of like at the bottom. They make you wait till the very end of the hour to hear that news, right? So bad news is in out there. And so it's rare to find good news. And uh, today, I want, want to remind you that Crossroads, the, the church that God's called us to, and his church at large, is really about good news. It really is. If we didn't have good news, we wouldn't be here this morning, folks. It's, it's the greatest news ever. Great news. So this morning, I, I want to look at the, a picture. I'm going to throw up a picture here. This picture here was taken in Hawaii uh, with the volcanoes erupting behind them. And when I first found this picture, I thought, well, that's Photoshop. has to be. Then I started reading about the guy who took the picture. I read it on the New York Post website, and they were saying that, uh, that he wanted to know where would be a good place to get a shot of this volcano as it starts to erupt. They told him to go up to the golf course. So he goes up to the golf course, and he wanted to get a good picture, and the guys are like, hey, get out of our way. We're trying to play golf here, all right? Now, what would you be doing if that was going off behind you? 
You know, if, if you could see that, I mean, even though obviously they're in a safe zone where they're not getting the lava on them, I would still be like, ah, this is a pretty historic event happening, you know? I can see this volcano. I can see, what, what if the wind blows it this way? And so here's a group of people, they're out just doing their thing, and this is really the picture that I think it displays our world today. We have good news. The good news, there's bad news and good news. The bad news is there's impending doom. See, heaven and hell are both real. The, the Bible talks about heaven is a real place and hell is a real place. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about hell, I believe it was 54 times that Jesus refers to hell. So if heaven and hell are real, uh, there, there's, there's two pictures here. We see, we see these guys just carrying on their life, and you've got to understand that there's more to this life and that there is a heaven, there is a hell, and that Jesus has made a way so that you don't have to go to hell. That way is through Jesus Christ on the cross. This is the greatest news ever. But in our world today, many people are just like that golfer. They're just kind of, they're kind of going along. They're doing whatever feels comfortable. They're, they're consumed with the things of this world and there's an impending doom coming. And you and I, we have the greatest message ever. We get to go out with the most positive message, the most positive story that, hey, you don't have to go through this impending doom. And so this morning, I want you to think about your life in light of heaven and hell, because hell's a real place. And the Bible says that if without, without Christ, we all end up in hell. And so Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you don't have to go to hell. He died on the cross so that you may be a part of his kingdom, part of his go to heaven one day. And so today, we're going to share about the greatest news and our churches will always be about the greatest news. You know, we have, uh, we have an opportunity here to be positive. Our message is so positive, folks. Yes, there's, there, there's an impending doom. And we have, we have to let people know that, hey, but the very positive is that Jesus died. And he conquered death. And he rose again. And you don't have to experience this impending doom. Um, you know, there's a difference. We're, we're talking about good news. And the church is about good news. It's not about good advice. You see, there's a, there's a difference there. Good advice is what religion is. Religion is good advice. It comes and tells you, well, you know, if you try harder, if you do this, if you do that, how that you'll be uh, more, get closer to God by the things that you do. So that's the good advice. That's not what we're about here. Crossroads is not about that. God's word is not about good advice. That's religion. Uh, we're here about good news. Good news is the telling. We are telling you, retelling over and over what actually happened. News. We're, 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 we're sharing the news of things that have happened. So let me just share with you the great news here. John one twenty nine says this. John the Baptist had been baptizing people, and now he sees Jesus coming on the scene, and look what he says. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says, there he is, the Lamb of God. And when he said that, the, the Jewish people knew exactly what he was talking about because in Jewish worship, they would have to go in, they would have to take a lamb, uh, and they would go and they would slaughter the lamb, and they would, they would have a blood sacrifice, and that was part of their worship, and that was poor, uh, symbolic for the atoning of their sin. And now he's saying, no, 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 the Lamb of God has arrived. God's sacrifice. 
God is going to sacrifice him on the altar for you and I so that we have eternal life. And he says that the Lamb of God who takes away, because whenever he dies on the cross, whenever he is is sacrificed for us, he takes away the sin of the world so that we have this opportunity to have our sins forgiven. Wow. This is the greatest news ever. Now, I want to take that because this here is telling us about our our eternity. Yes, there's impending doom. There is a heaven and there is a hell. But God says, I've taken care of that in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again. And if you'll just open your heart, Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved from the punishment of your sin. And so it's that simple. It's like a child. You know, you, you, you can tell a child and they'll, they'll trust, they'll believe. And so that's what God wants our heart to be, like a child, to trust and believe that he died on the cross, that he paid for our sin. But you know what? It's a, it's a little bit more. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit deeper. He says not only has he taken care of eternity, he's taken care and he's given you something now. He's allowed you to become an overcomer. Revelation twelve eleven says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to death. In other words, he says, listen, this is how they overcame. We are overcomers, folks. Uh, It doesn't mean that you won't experience problems, but that you are an overcomer. It's the great news of freedom. Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he came to emancipate you. He came to free your soul. And he, he has the great news of freedom. Look here at Isaiah 58, verse 6. Uh, this, was, this was in context of what the Messiah would be like, what the Messiah would do. He would come to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. In other words, anything that would bind you. Uh, he says that you would be set free. We live in a world full of problems today, don't we? We live in a world full of, 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 of bondage. People are, are tied up. Um, there, there's so many things. I want you to think about this. People are bound by sin. They come in every day and they put on the shackles of sin. They don't even know it. They think that, the, that they're helping themselves. In the meantime, they're really going and putting a shackle on. Uh, people are bound by sin. They're bound by sexual immorality, bound by addiction, bound by pornography, alcoholism. By anxiety, by fear, by confusion, by their past, by, uh, by uh, failure, by defeat. And, and, and the list just goes on and on and on. The things that we get bound to. So here's what happens. You're coming into this world and God says, I'm going to give you eternal life. And we think that that's all that this is about. Folks, the great news that is that he gives you life that starts today. And you don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to go to the sins, uh, to, to, those, to those areas of bondage. And you don't have to go put those shackles on and be living in, 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 in those things that are destroying your family, destroying your life, destroying you from the inside out. And you take whatever it is that you're going into bondage to, and God says, listen, I have come that you are free from there. You know, and you say, well, why are so many people in bondage today? Why, are, why, why is it that we see people with addictions out the out the door today, huh? Isn't it crazy? I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing a rash of overdoses. Breaks my heart what's happening in our world. We're bearing a generation. You're not supposed to do this, right? Why? They're in bondage. 
We see, we see uh, sexual addictions at the highest all-time level. Pornography addictions at the highest all-time level. We see uh, angers and fears, all these things that are gripping people at an all-time highest level. Why? Because Satan knows this. Satan knows that the most powerful person is not a person who has riches, who has guns, who has armies, or who has fame. But he knows that the most powerful people are the people who have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. The people that have been set free. And let me just give you a list of some of the people that have been set free. Because it's pretty powerful, some of the things that they did. Um, it was a free man who approached Pharaoh in Egypt and said, let my people go. Moses. It was a free man who stepped into the promised land and declared, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was Joshua. That was a free man who stared down a giant named Goliath. And he said, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I have come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, David. It was a free man, it was free young men who, uh, who refused to bow and exhibited their freedom even uh, in the midst of a fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was a free man who prayed down fire from heaven and then had the audacity to say, get ready, here comes the rain, Elijah. Uh, the greatest expression of freedom, though, came 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross. He went and he sacrificed for you. A free man, incarnate. He showed that the God incarnate comes and dies on the cross, and he personified what he declared over here in John 8, 36. Look at this. He says this, to, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, what he's saying here is, look, if the Son sets you free... Let go of the shackles. If the Son sets you free, He will give you the power to let go of the shackles. You are no longer a slave to sin, to the, to the bondage, to all these things that are going to destroy life. He says, you no longer have to go there anymore. He says, I want you to be free. Whom the Son sets free, you'll be free indeed. Uh, you know, I love the song that we sing in, in church right now. Um, you know, I'm a child of God. Whom the Son sets free, you are free indeed. That's where it came from. Now, our, our, our songs that we choose in church, they all have like scriptural bases. They're not just like, hey, let me feel good. We're trying to say, hey, look, here's, here's a scriptural principle. And this is the verse for that song. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He wants to give you freedom. Freedom to, to go beyond existence. The freedom to be actually living. And uh, to, to be the, you know, you, you look at the... the the law, God wrote the law with one finger, but he wrote grace with both hands. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He took both hands and he paid for your salvation. He did it once for all forever. And he fulfilled the law. And he says, I no longer condemn you. This is so powerful. John eight thirty two. Jesus said, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You, you don't get set free by turning over a new leaf, folks. You get set free by knowing Jesus. You will know the truth. Here's the problem with many of the, many of the addictions and the bondages that we walk into, the, the, the things that we become a slave to sin. We don't know Jesus in that area. We think that Jesus is only some catechism that we talk about on the weekends. But when we go out into, the, into your regular life and everyday world, there's some, cha some chains that he wants you to drop, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's anger. He says, look, you've got to come and understand the gospel. When you understand what the gospel does in that particular situation, that he has set you free, 
we, we want to go back because we think it's helping us. In the meantime, it's destroying us. And he says, I've given you freedom. He says here in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Wow, what a powerful God that we have. He says, I've given you life, and I've given it to you in the person of Jesus Christ. So what's the great news? Here's the great news. Here it is. We are about great news. I love my church because it's all about great news. When you come in, it's not about, hey, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, or you should do this. And It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's a bunch of, it's all about who he is. And it's all about Jesus. And so when you have a relationship with Jesus, you can be freed from the punishment of sin, number one. Number two, you can be freed from the power of sin, you can be freed from a torment of fear. Uh, first, Second Timothy, I'm sorry, Second Timothy one seven says that he has not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of a sound mind. He's given you a sound mind. Uh, we don't have to live in fear. Uh, as he sends us out to do his work, we don't have to live in fear because it comes from him. Uh, 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 the sound mind comes from him. We have freedom from the uh, sentence of eternal condemnation. Look over here in Romans eight one. This is such a powerful verse. Therefore, he's going on about all the doctrines, remember? He says, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If you belong to Jesus, there's no condemnation. None. Not your past. Not your failures. None of it. No condemnation. None. You see, here's the deal. Let me tell you what Christ did for us. In Romans, it says that we were baptized into Christ. In Galatians, it says that you were crucified with Christ. In Ephesians, it says that you were seated with Christ. Uh, In Philippians, it says that you are strengthened by Christ. In Colossians, it says that you are hidden in Christ. Um, In the book of Revelation, it says that you are reigning with Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He just didn't give you something to have a mental ascent and move on. He gave you Jesus. He gave you the person of Jesus that will transform your life if you let him. I, one, of the, one of my favorite verses, John 3.16. It's probably the favorite of most people. John 3.16. Would you read it with me aloud together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And folks, I've looked at that verse for years, and I always focused in on here that I was going to go to heaven when I die, and I think that is absolutely paramount. That's what this verse is talking about. But I want you to also understand that life that he gave you, you don't wait for life till you die. Life begins when the shackles come off. And I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Wow. Is there anything more beautiful than that? Yeah, I get to go to heaven when I die, but guess what? God gave me a victory. I love hearing stories of people that have come into our church through the years, and and you just hear them. They they, they come in, and all of a sudden, God moves in their life. Some struggle for some time. Others have instant, God says, man, I'm removing things from your life, and it blows my mind. But it's because God says, I've given you the power. You no longer are a slave to sin. Now, this is powerful. This is the great news. The great news that, you know, Hollywood can't compete with the great news of Jesus. Only Jesus can give us this. 
So, so you are no longer defined by what surrounds you. The, here's the great news. The great news is that Christ defines you. Jesus has defined you. And I want you to think about that. Because you are no longer defined by what surrounds you. You are defined by God's spirit that lives in you. You are not defined by your circumstances. You are defined by his promises. You are not defined by the pain that you may be going through. You are defined by the heaven you're going to. You're not defined by your failures. You're defined by his forgiveness. And for all of us that have been in church for a while, this next one really is, is something to understand. You're not defined by what you do for God. You're defined by what God already did for you. Doesn't that, doesn't that do you see the burden that's lifted? It's no longer I have to, I have to, I have to. Well, I volunteered, I did it. Listen, we want you to volunteer. We want you to be involved. But it's not to gain favor with God. And your identity. And here's what happens. Sometimes we, 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 our identity, and we try to wrap up our identity into what we do. And God says, it's not about what you do. It's about who I am. It's about what I have already done. So how can I be certain? How can I know what's happening in my life? Listen, you will be an overcomer. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You will be an overcomer. There are things in life that are hard. That, that verse does not mean that you will not have problems. You know, I'm talking about major problems. Anybody in here ever had a major problem? Raise your hand. Okay? You can put your hands down. Um, and anybody of you ever had several major problems? Put both hands up. Yeah. Okay. Anybody, you know, they ever Google your name for problems and your name comes up? You know, <laughs> raise your hands and your feet. Uh, listen, we are going to deal with trials. We're going to deal with problems. But God says this, and this is where we have, this is where faith comes in, folks. He says that you will be an overcomer. He doesn't say that you'll be problem free and have no trials. He doesn't say that you'll have no temptation, you'll have no struggle. He says that you will be an overcomer. Now, is, is there anything more exciting than that? Let's give our God a hand. That is great news this morning, folks. We'll be an overcomer. How, how can I know that? Let me tell you how I know that. You just look at the Bible. Did Joseph stay in the pit? Joseph went through in a pit. Did he stay in the pit before he got to the, uh, to the king's palace at one point? No. But when he was in a pit, you couldn't tell him anything else, could you? All you could see was the man was depressed. He couldn't see God working. Did the Israelites stay in the desert? No. They, they wandered for 40 years. And God finally got them into the promised land. They had to go through to get to. And I want you to look in your life because I think you're going through some things right now to get to something that is God is going to do. Did the Hebrew boys, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did they stay in the furnace? No. They went through it to get to the king's court. Did Jesus stay in the tomb? No. He was in there for three days, three nights, and he rose again from the grave. That's the great news. We are overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So for every Pharaoh, there's going to be a Moses. For every Goliath, there will be a David. For every Nebuchadnezzar, there will be a Daniel. For every Jezebel, there will be an Elijah. For every Herod, there will be a Jesus. And, and so today, I want you to understand that God's purpose, God has a plan, and it's greater than the brokenness that you're going through. It's greater than the brokenness. So let me give you the good news. I'm going to wrap the good news in a a nutshell here. The, The good news simply stated this, is that Jesus, his death redeems you. 
His resurrection empowers you. His grace is sufficient. His freedom completes. His joy strengthens. His spirit confronts, uh, comforts. His spirit comforts. His goodness follows. His stripes heal. His name delivers and his mercy endures forever. This is who you have in Jesus. Can we give our God a hand? What a great God that we serve this morning. And I want to invite you to, to partake of that great news. Because this is not a doomsday. We're not called here to do and don't and have a bunch of rules. Listen, when you follow Jesus, your life becomes better. I really believe that. As you follow Jesus, you follow his principles, it's everything that you're, you're looking for. But when you go out and you try to fill it on your own, the, that, that's when all the bad news comes in. Uh, the second point in your notes this morning is this, is that Jesus gives power to spread his word. It's his great news. And so as a church, we come together, and the great news will always be paramount here. It will always, always be number one here. And God's calling us to share it. So Acts 1.8, look at what Acts 1.8 says here. And uh, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know, when you hear people and t- you hear power and Holy Spirit, people, people start thinking about some spooky type of things or whatever. And I want you to understand this. It is the power. He gives you power, the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended into heaven. He said, I'm not going to let you do this alone. I'm sending you my spirit. So when you go out to work tomorrow, you have the spirit of God with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And he says, I'm giving you power. It's, the, the Greek word is dunamis. He says, I'm giving you power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses. You will testify. You will tell what you have seen and heard. And what have you seen and heard about Jesus? He's changed your life. He's given you freedom. And you say, well, I'm a little bit afraid to do that. May I tell you, I understand about fear. I get it. God says we get to come and talk to him about people. And we get to come and we get to talk to people about God. But yet, when we go out, we have this power. We're really afraid, and this fear comes in. And I understand that. And you said, but you're the pastor. I thought it was easy for you. Listen, just because I share it often doesn't mean I don't face fear. Everybody's going to face fear, right? And so I understand a little bit about fear. Let me tell you about fear. The other night, you know, they were calling on the TV and said that, that, you know, it's going to rain again. Imagine that, western Pennsylvania. We didn't have summer. We had a rainy season, right? So they're talking about, sh- t- talking about the rain. And so I go out. I cut the grass. Hurry up and get it done. And I had a harebrained idea. I'm going to go out and clean out the gutters. Storm's coming. I got two hours to go. It was still relatively daylight. And I, uh, I put up the ladder, and I live in a small ranch house, so I put up the ladder on the porch, and I go up, and as I start getting up, I'm like, hey, Rhonda, come on out here. And she comes out, she goes, what do you want? I said, I want you to hold that ladder for your dear life's sake, because I'm getting a little bit nervous up here, and it, you know, it's only 12 feet high, it wasn't very high. So I'm going up the ladder, and I, I'm like, I can clean out that, that gutter there, so I cleaned it out, and I'm like, well, I should go down the other end, too. Well, I'll just climb on the roof. So I climbed up on the roof. I got off the ladder. And I only had it like one rung above the gutter. So I got up there, and all of a sudden I froze. I mean, I was petrified. I was like, I'm going to fall off this roof. I didn't even have jeans on. I had shorts on. You know, like those ones you go to the gym in? It's a fashion statement. 
So I'm up there on the roof, and I'm like sliding around. You know, you just sit there and just like sliding all over the place. And I'm like, this is not healthy. And, and then and my wife's like, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. So I went over to the edge. I, I, I was trying to get off, the le- trying to come back down. And I'm like swinging my foot around. And I'm like, honey, she looks at me. She goes, who do you want me to call? And I'm like, God. <laughs> I am, fear has gripped me. So I said, give me a few minutes. I sit there, and I'm like, she goes, seriously, who do you want me to call? I'm like, give me five minutes to build up the courage. I think I can do this. I think I can. I think I can. And so I come off, and I, and I turn around. I realize I didn't have the ladder up high enough. If I would have had it up a couple more rungs, I would have probably been more successful. But I turn around, I'm like, God. Luke can preach Sunday if I go down. And, and I'm like, I, I, I put my foot on the rung, and all of a sudden the fear left. And I had to take a step of faith. And I had faith that my wife would hold that ladder, or she'd be missing the best thing that ever happened to her. <laughs> and I'm holding on to that ladder. And I come down, my wife's like, You lost 10 pounds of sweat tonight. <laughs> but you know what? I got through it. And I want to encourage you. That's the same when when you go to tell somebody about Jesus. Look, just drop a seed. You can't mess it up, folks. You can't. You're not. God gave you the power. He gave you the dunamis. He gave you the power. You're not going to fall off the roof. It feels like it. But when you go and you just put that step and say, Jesus. There's people in your life that you love dearly. God just wants you to plant a seed. Look, Jesus set me free. It's bound prayer. Their heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. I want to encourage you. Our church, I love my church because we are passionate about the great news. Maybe you've been coming to church and you say, Pastor Ken, I'm not certain that I have eternal life. I hear you talk about great news today. I want that great news in my life. I'm going to ask you, would you respond to Jesus? Would you just respond to him and say, dear God, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I'm in need of a savior this morning. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And I invite you into my life right now. God, would you transform my life? I give it to you. And for others in this place, could we just get so excited about good news? Could we, could we just realize it's all about Jesus? Maybe this morning you've been walking with God or you've had some sort of following of God, but you've been going into bondage. Maybe there's a, a habit, there's a hang-up, there's something that God wants to break you of today. Would you go meet with God? Would you, would you realize the greatest news is that you don't have to go there anymore? How about your neighbors who need to hear this message? Are you a little fearful to get on the ladder? Are you afraid that if you launch, you don't know how you're going to come back down? I want to share with you today that he has given you power and he will not let you fail. lift up your neighbor to the Lord this morning lift up somebody that 
you know that needs Jesus and ask God, how may I interact with them? Lord, be with your people. We ask for your strength and your encouragement as we walk out these doors to share the good news that will change people's lives forever. In your most holy name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Would you greet a a few people around you? God bless you. You are dismissed.